0: This episode of Shaking Spears was sponsored in part by the UJ Student Marketing Department. The University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined. And now for the big one, which I've been, well, the big one for Mark. Um, which I've been dodging and which I alluded to earlier. Um, but yeah, is Hamlet's plan a good one? Because I'm sorry, guys, I really don't think that his plan to... I'm going to make them do a play that is kind of similar. As you said, Claire, if he remained, if Claudius remains stony-faced throughout the play, Hamlet kind of shrugs and goes, eh, okay, Ghost was lying, he didn't do it, etc. So is it a good plan and... Um, <laughs> What other options does Hamlet really have available to him at that point in time, given everything that we know about his mental state and about who he is? Um, And that's just something I want to kind of throw open to the floor um, as we almost look to wrap this up. I think that we've covered Mm. largely everything else, unless there are other questions. But yeah, is it a good plan? What could he have done different, Lee? Uh,
1: Language. It's a good plan for him. It's a good plan for him because that is that, is the answer that he needs in his way of, I suppose, kind of deviously <coughs> getting to a a point. His other option would be to confront, but he's not in a, in a position to confront anybody because he doesn't trust anybody.
0: Okay, I want to come back to that because it, it did come up earlier and I had a thought, but I didn't speak then, so I want to jump in now. Um, in terms yeah. of trust obviously um thy face is valence since i saw thee last that's a line from hamlet to the player king there is a a pre-existing relationship between these two and a good one um yes uh, and is it just a case of hamlet seizing upon this idea because he trusts the player king as he trusts Horatio, and they are the only two people that I can see he actually trusts throughout the play. Um, So is it the kind of the the opportunism of you're here and that's great because some players, yes, I can do this and have them play a scene um, like the murder of my father, but also – You, I know you, and I trust that you will do that, and you won't take it to Claudius first, you won't run it by Polonius and say, Hamlet's asked us to add just a few extra lines, do you think this is okay, because, you know, the king's our patron. Uh, uh, Myself, this is just a different interlude, but myself, Rowan Bartlett, and uh, Kirstie and Dowell play the three players. Um... And as we're exiting the scene, there is always much ad-libbing about, oh, great, we're being chased out of another town. And What happens to the players after that scene is (laughs) not something you really want to think too hard about, folks, if you like happy endings. But yes, so um, is it a question of trust and the fact that finally Hamlet has a second character available to him that he feels that he can trust?
1: I think, yeah, he he trusts Horatio. I think Horatio is the only person. That's
0: implicit, yes.
1: Yes. The player king, he trusts to a certain degree. The player king, what does the player king know about what has just happened? About the ghost? He knows nothing. He doesn't know about the ghost. He's just come in hoping for a job. Hamlet and he are old pals. They trust each other because they're old pals. But Hamlet can use the players as an opportunity and give them just enough information to, right. to go through with it. But would would he trust them? I mean, would he go into a little room with a player king and confess everything? No, No. I don't think he would. Because who ultimately is paying the players? Hamlet is, but the the royal house is.
0: Yeah, it's the royal Um, treasury, not Hamlet's personal purse. Um, And and, and, um, thinking about it, uh, this goes back many, many years to a discussion I had with uh, Garth Anderson um, regarding the play and sort of predestined moments but, uh, and it's kind of the idea of Hamlet has a pre-existing relationship with the player king Hamlet is uh, in the capital, in the castle for his father's funeral and his mother and uncle's wedding and if I was a player at that time with a little pageant wagon, as we see in, for instance, the, the film of the stopard of Rosenkrantz and Guildenstern is Dead. And I know that yeah. someone who likes my performances is in the capital with the king. Pack up, everybody. We are going to the capital in the hopes that I can wangle a Royal Command performance. Absolutely. And so, kind of the idea that Hamlet goes there first, and that draws everything else along to him—it's again just a very clever piece of um, plot working from Shakespeare. If you want to look into deeper layers and reasons for why are certain characters where they are when they are there, certainly Rose—they use each other, don't they? Absolutely.
1: I mean, the players use Hamlet because well, here's a means to an end for us to buy chicken tonight. And Hamlet then goes, "Oh, fantastic, the players are here. I can use them and their services to for my own means." And
0: and it's exactly the same I feel with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. They are yes. probably here as noble sons uh, stud- studying um with Hamlet, um and they've come here for either the funeral or the wedding or both. But since they are here, um when the king and queen call on you and say you go to school with our son, figure out what's bugging him. They are more than happy to jump onto that opportunity to advance their own <laughs> fortunes. Uh, sorry, of Claire, I cut you off there.
2: To no, no, it's fine. I, I just, um, coming back to is Hamlet's plan a good one? Hmm. Um, I think, you know, conjecture is, is great, um, but we don't need to really excavate, um, right. you know. Uh, Hamlet's relationship with the player king, or or whatever, it it, it is what it is. It's it, it's nothing. As Brian quite rightly said, does he trust him? Yes. Would he sit down in a room with him and tell him about the ghost? And 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 yeah. No. Um, but I don't think we need to get too tangled up in that kind of uh, detail. Um, but your to, to look at your question of is is Hamlet's plan a good one? <clears throat> Probably not. Um but yeah. it's the only thing that's left to him, so there there it is asked and answered. um it's the only thing you can think of in the moment right. and it 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 hands out it pans out uh, to no good end we might add, but it does pan out um but uh, you know we if we if we step too far back and and look in we've co- of course we've got yes, the benefit we of,
0: can redesign the uh, entire so you, play so you,
2: you made such a stupid mistake there. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. And the key always to understanding, and academically too, when you're writing your essays and things, is to try as much as possible to put yourself in that person's position where everything is coming at Hamlet like this. And and he thought that he had um, a, a love and, and a trust in, in um, Ophelia. And then she, in his mind, betrays him as well. So it just it's all crashing down. And so he makes decisions at, from whatever is presented to him. So I think we mustn't judge him too harshly.
0: This no, no, no. Um, and, and and a big thing for me is, uh, personally, I don't think that I judge any of Shakespeare's characters very harshly. I feel like all of them are a product of their times or their situations. Certainly some are far more menacing and villainous than others, you can look to a Macbeth, you can look to an Iago, you can look to the misguided and unbridled, well, and I was going to say a Tybalt in terms of just Mm. the absolute rage that consumes him as a man or the believing that he's wronged. And Edmund certainly from Lear, as you say. And there are certain characters where you can go, and yes, lump Claudius in with all of them because uh, we do find out um, in his prayer speech that he is guilty of exactly all the things that the ghost has accused mm. him of and that Hamlet suspects him of. He, he mm. is um, uh, a committer of fratricide. Um, um, yeah, um, so uh, there. I'm trying to... Where was I going with this? So there was uh, judgment, characters, evil, right. Uh, So there are certain characters that certainly are evil, but even within those evils, um, and Claudius is my lovely example uh, for this. um, We know that Claudius kills his brother and takes the throne. We don't know anything about the circumstances necessarily around why Claudius did that. Was it for an absolute love of Gertrude? Was it because he felt, and this we do know from the play, that old Hamlet has been involved and has started three different wars in his time as king, and Claudius feels that the kingdom can't sustain another war? That's never explored, and as you were saying, Clay, we can't step too far back, but there also can't be too much judgment necessarily because we don't really understand exactly what's going on in the motivations pre or post the play, mm. or in scenes mm. that are not seen but are sometimes referenced, um, and we'll get yes. into that more with Macbeth, and certainly uh, the princes and their time away, uh, because I've, you know there's a lot that happens um, uh, to use the correct term obscenely um, off the stage, um, mm. and and you can't interrogate that too deeply because otherwise. Well, you're going to talk yourself right around to, I can't believe that Hamlet is such a dirty murderer and so horrendous. He kills three people in the play and he's clearly the villain of the piece.
2: Mm, mm.
0: So yeah, um, just something for us yeah. all to be cautious yeah. for. And certainly yeah. I am always very guilty of stepping too far back and looking at those things because I like playing around conceptually with the ideas of these plays. Because well, as you said at the very beginning of this, Claire, it's it's endlessly interpretive. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't watched the Patrick Stewart King Lear as set in the Wild West, it's incredible and it works. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, anyway.
2: And as we speak, yes. Ian McKellen, who's about 160 years old, is playing Hamlet. Um, yes, he is. So I, I find my, that very interesting. My
0: cousin too. actually uh, took the train into London from Maidstone and watched it last weekend, and I may have disowned her a little. Because, yeah, uh, I I just I
2: I, I, need to I need to learn more about the thinking behind it, um, because Hamlet's youth is something that we know about. But they put him in a hoodie and tracksuit Mm -hmm. pants. And so I just want to speak to the conceptual.
0: You're only as young as you dress, according to the designer. Um. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, sorry for that hard cut. For those of you who are um, watching these, if you're just listening, hard cut, technical issues, internet connectivity. I don't know if you've noticed, um, between Claire and myself, there's been a little bit of an issue, so... Just a little bit of a hard cut there, but really that does bring us to an end. We've covered more than we certainly intended to speak about today, uh, and that's always great. Um, Even when you're delving into that realm of the theoretical and the impossible, um, if nothing else it means that you're thinking about the play and from our perspective, if these podcasts are making you think about the play in any way, shape or form, that's a good thing. So I'd like to say a nice big thank you again to uh, UJ for their sponsorship and a very, very big thank you uh, to Claire as always for joining me on these. And, a very, 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 very big thank you to Brian, who obviously has joined us at the end of a long drive, didn't need to give up his mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, guys. Um, your input and these discussions are always, I think, so valuable. And I think that our audience is going to find them very valuable as well.
2: I just love them, Mark. I just feel like it's, it's so useful for people studying the texts to see that we are all in debate. You know, there's no conclusive yes or no's. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Uh, one of the biggest things when we started Hamlet that we were in debate with uh, was um, mm-hmm. I hated the pants that Claire was asking me to wear as Laertes. I, uh, huge arguments. Huge, huge. <laughs> Went, I went on stage with my bottom lip dragging on the floor for the first four performances until I think she eventually just got tired with me and gave up and let me change the pants. <laughs> but yes, always a debate. And uh, just remember, if you are discussing something, your best ally to back you up is something from any of the written texts. And we came across that, that there are still differences in the different folios. As a, you know, sullied flesh, solid flesh, etc. But back yourself up from that point of view and you're not going to go wrong. So if someone says a thing, question whether they're a reliable narrator in that point. Make sure that they are not willfully lying. So if you look at something like uh, An Othello, obviously loads of occasions where Iago's lying. You can't trust anything that man says. But certainly for Hamlet, look at the text, take it from there. Okay, folks, I've been Mark She's been Claire Olivia Mortimer. He's been Brian Hiles. Um, and thank you for tuning in for these episodes of Shaking Spears. Jury? Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Music by Midair Machine. Used under license. CC BY-SA 4.0. For further information or bookings, contact Doreen at thinktheatre.co.za. The University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined.